Warning. This episode contains strong language. Listen, it's funny. If somebody is against the president, and then it kind of is, is like icing on top of the cake. I don't agree with anything that he's doing. And by the way, he, he seems to be a jerk. I, I totally get that. And, and and there will always be a part. I'm talking really about people who favor him. They they love the agenda, but they're conflicted sure. by this no, other stuff. Sure. I know get, a lot of people get, like that. Get over, <laughs> get over it. It doesn't matter. However, yeah. a bit of, again, it's the agenda that matters. But the another bit of human nature is if you take a politician who has some personal quirks, maybe even some personal problems, the people who support that politician will always be in the mood to overlook those things. The people who don't support that politician will always be in the mood to weaponize those things. And that's true, that'll always be true, traveling in both directions. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. All right, our guest today is Mark Davis. I had an amazing conversation with Mark. Mark is a conservative uh, radio host out of North Texas on 660 AM. Okay. The answer. He's also got a column in the Dallas morning news. Okay? he's also got a podcast where they take the show and they, they put it as a podcast to the Mark Davis show. So really, really cool, really great guy. Um, and again, not somebody I really agree with on a lot of different points, but somebody that I can have an open, honest conversation with. And I loved that. Mark was so cool to talk to. Um, you know, I just really enjoyed him. He's got a lot to say about radio too. We had a great conversation about radio, where it's been, how the changes, uh, you know, the medium, the formats of how content is 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 provided to people. Um, you know, we talk about Netflix and and how series are are released, right? Binge watching or episodic, and um, it was just such a great conversation with him. And of course, because he's a political commentator, we got into politics. And like I said, I don't really agree with them on everything, but you know. We had a great conversation. How crazy is that? Why? Because we're respectful of each other. I hear him out. He hears me out. Uh, and it's interesting to hear where people think the way they think, you know, why they why they got there. And you know what? You never know. You may learn something and may change your mind on a, on a few things um, and vice versa. Ho hopefully that happens. That's, that's a good conversation. You learn something from somebody and they learn something from you. So and you can always learn something from somebody no matter who it is. That is the truth. So I really enjoyed having Mark on and hopefully he will come back on again and we can get to talk some more stuff uh, because again, it's just an awesome conversation. I can see why he's been so successful. And again, no matter how you feel about Mark or where he stands, um, he's a respectful guy and I, I got to give him that. Um, and again, just really enjoyed our conversation. So it was really cool. So hope to have him back on and we can talk more politics. Um, or just anything that's going on. Really politics, really enjoyed talking politics with him. So again, check out Mark's shows, check out his column. If uh, And, uh, you know, check out this podcast, right? That That's the point. You can hear this, you can hear our conversation and it's awesome. It flew by, to be honest with you. We, we kind of talk about that in the in the podcast. It, it, uh, <laughs> the hour and 15 or hour and 20 minutes just, just flew by. So sit back, relax. Go get a nice 
coffee, maybe, you know, roll up a cigarette if that's what you do, or get a cigar. Just enjoy this podcast because it's one of those type of podcasts. Maybe just a little whiskey, a little something. Uh, it's a really good one. So without further ado, well, th there is further ado uh, because I have to remind you to check out our website, okay, thelonestarplay.com, where you can find out all the other information about us. Um, and as well, don't forget our YouTube channel, where this episode is broken down in little clips, digestible, because again, we film this, so you can see my beautiful face, Mark's beautiful face, okay? You're talking to two guys who are made for radio, doing video, okay? We're gorgeous, we're two gorgeous dudes, so you're gonna wanna check it out. So go check that out. And, and then, of course, just listen to this podcast if you just want to listen to it. So let's just get to it, right, guys? Let's get to this. Mr. Mark Davis, enjoy. Uh, Mark, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I love this background here. Bam, that is like, I actually, I wanted to be in radio myself. Uh, I went to um, a school in Arlington. I, I'm not even sure if it's still around. It's called American Broadcasting School. Yes. Have you ever heard right of that? 360. Right off 360. I've, I've yeah. spoken to them sometimes. Uh -huh. Oh, right on. Yeah, I was, um, let's see, 2001, actually, because I was in school when 9-11 happened. And we, that was like major. I was driving down 360, literally on my way to school. We get there, the TV, they have the TV in the classroom there, and we're all just watching it. I'll never forget that. Um, yeah, I'll never forget that. But yeah, radio was was really just what I wanted to do. And there was it was odd because it was at that weird transition. And the teachers were talking about it, about how things were changing. Things were becoming more automated. Um, you know, it was just this. And they were teaching us that, you know, because the Internet was just coming around. In fact, our station, our call letter, everything was Internet based. So you had to listen to the station online. It was just very new and and whatever and yeah it was just really exciting um to be honest with you and you've well, been that in is cool. well that is awesome right. and, and it's funny because the podcasting world is the new wild west frontier where somebody yeah. that wants to have a show can have a show and then it's just out there and if it's good people will flock to it and and that's that's the way to to make a living at it or do whatever you want to do all right for this thing will there be a, a video component to this or just audio both we we do both cool yeah yeah that's awesome yeah yeah uh we put it on like youtube um i mean i would say 90 95 percent of our, our our listeners not not viewing it but there's still that few that that watch it and watch the clips hey. and that whatnot very cool yeah. very good uh you know and that's another thing that's different about radio right like radio never who was the first person to put radio as television was it howard stern was he the first one to like really it's when the e when the e network started doing the stern show in the mid 90s it absolutely was it was revolutionary because people said that it had to be either all one thing or all the other that radio was its own destination you didn't need to muck up the works or confuse people by bringing tv cameras in and if it's a tv show it needs to be totally devoted to the trappings of television and as with a hundred other things howard proved that was uh not necessarily the game. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, what an interesting because what made it interesting was the fly on the wall component to the to the camera angle, right. right? It was like I'm not. They're not pieced to cameras. They're not 
we're not doing a show. I, I, I love it. And now you're right. Now look at uh, what it is. It's what everybody does. Um, and, now, and now we all do it. Exactly right. Because yeah. I, I, I don't have a, a daily camera in here. And I kind of thank God for that because I, I, <laughs> I guess I just don't need to play to a camera every day. I've done this for a long time. But when I do fill-ins for the Salem Radio Network, they have a video component to everything. So I put I my run about here's there's there's the camera. Yeah. I set the thing up and uh, just point it at me, and then it's, uh, people can watch it as well as listen to it because that's just what everybody needs to do these days. They say so. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's an it's just an interesting time uh, with the way all the mediums are and how it gets to people. Right now, there's just so many different streams to get information, and and if, and if you have a show or whatever a production, you're thinking of all the different ways you can get it out on different platforms as well. When absolutely. it used to be very uniformed and singular, uh, almost to to some extent. So. I find it fascinating, but also overwhelming to some extent. <laughs> Those are not mutually exclusive. So exactly right. So cool. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, well, what, uh, what, what, uh, what describe what you envision here today? This is it. Just us talking. We, we just have conversations. This is the, this is the podcast right here. I do a little editing to the show, just sort of taking out, you know, knolls in the, in the show, things yeah. like that. Uh, but, but other than that, it just, well, this I will is it. go, I'll go wherever, wherever you seek to go. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever listened to Joe Rogan at all. Sure. Boom. There you go. It's just three, two, one, go. That's it. We already that's started, the Mark. Best, that's that, the best. That's, that's true. <laughs> exactly right. If you're asking what we're doing, guess what? We've been doing it for 10 minutes, which is which is exactly the natural, unaffected uh, way to do it. Because there's there's a theory that says something is affected by the fact that people know that they're being observed, by the, by the, the knowledge that people know that 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 the the process of a conversation is under scrutiny it changes the nature of the conversation i think that's unavoidably true and the best way to do that as either host or guest is to plow through that and be as unaffected and as organically natural as you can Oh, that's awesome. Oh my God. I'm going to learn so much today, Mark. This is like, <laughs> well, I'm let's, so let's excited. Not, let's not go nuts. <laughs> Don't oversell. <laughs> no, you're selling yourself short, man. No, no. Uh, yeah, for sure. To be honest with you, I would say half of my guests uh, will be, will be halfway through the interview and they go, have we started yet? Did we? <laughs> that's a compliment. That's yeah, really? a compliment. That, that's really? how you know okay. the that's how you know the previous thirty minutes have been wonderful. <laughs> right on. You know, I I wondered about that. I'm not gonna lie. I really wondered about. Man, am I am I? I just thought this is how I do it. I don't want to change it, so I'm just gonna go with it. But okay, that's good to hear uh, from you. Uh, to be honest with you, has but, anyone has any have you ever gotten ten minutes in, fifteen minutes in, and someone didn't know that they were underway? And they go, oh, dang, uh, can I revise something I said seven or eight <laughs> minutes ago? That was totally not for public consumption. You know, that hasn't happened yet, to be frank. So I'm glad uh, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> Probably me. That would be me if I was a guest on a on a on a show. Like, whoa, whoa. OK, hang on here. Let's <laughs> let's go back. Um, no, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you, Mark, about um, you, you do so many things. OK, I'm looking at you. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's a renaissance man. He's all over the place. He's got a, a radio show. you got a column in the Dallas Morning News. you got a podcast as well. I'm looking that up, too. So you got all these things, how it all works. You got, how do you handle all of this stuff, Mark? Well, you're very kind to, to mention all of them. And the 
answer is they all run on parallel tracks. The biggest and most significant track is the radio show, the studio I'm sitting in right now. Every morning, 7 to 10 Central, you're on the Salem Media Group at 660 AM, The Answer in Dallas, Fort Worth. That's the radio show. It's three hours of me doing things that are hopefully entertaining, hopefully enlightening. If I'm having a good time, I figure everybody else is too. So that's the idea is to have everybody come to the show and be glad they were here, either because they learned something or got to call and get something off their chest or whatever. So that's, that's the main, that's the engine that drives virtually everything else. For just about as long as I've done radio, I've done some form of writing uh, in the various cities. I've managed to stumble across a column in, in the case of here in DFW. Uh, I came back to my native Texas in 1994 and a couple of years after that, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram called and asked if I'd like to do a column. They had uh, Molly Ivins and Bob Ray Sanders, these iconic uh, liberal columnists who did just a wonderful job. Uh, and they, I guess they sat around one day and said, can we find a conservative? And so they did. <laughs> and I wrote for them from 1996 until about 2004. That's when the Dallas Morning News got in touch, and uh, that's an offer you can't refuse, so I've written for them ever since. And, and in terms of the writing element of it, uh, since coming through the door here uh, at Salem, I now write for Town Hall, and just in the last couple of weeks, uh, I'm doing a column for Newsweek, so that's kind of cool. So wow. the, the writing, it's it's... I mean, everything that's in my head, everything that I do, all these opinions that are you know knocking around in my brain, that I, the opinions I hear, opinions I express, those all lend themselves pretty easily to turning around after a given morning show and firing off a column about something that very afternoon. Um, so it, it all sort of lends to the same. As far as the podcast, that, that it's, it's funny. The, the, the podcast that you do is sitting down and preparing it from square one and doing it. The Mark Davis Show podcast is basically the broadcast of the show. Uh, I have a wonderful producer, Rhonda Moreland, who puts up everyday's show so right now somebody can go to 660amtheanswer.com hear yesterday's show hear a show from two weeks ago oh, uh, see cool. see what it was like when we were reacting to the covid back in march or see what it was see what i was saying about the election a month ago or whatever so it's basically just a telescoped easier to consume version of the show the show is the center of the universe everything else orbits around that well, I like that. No, oh, smart. Uh, that, that's definitely smart. It's good about the columns. I like how you just take the momentum from the show and then use that uh, to go into your column. That, that's just smart. Um, you know what I love about taking the show, putting it, it to have this back catalog, you know, that that used to be the exciting part of radio, but also the frustrating part of radio is that you would hear something dang it, I'll never hear that again, right? You, you couldn't go back to it. But at the same time, if you were there in the moment and got to hear it, that was exciting because you knew this is only happening uh, right now. So how do you feel about this back catalog? Do you like this new system? Do you wish it was more the old? I'm curious how you feel about that change. The, sh the short answer is I love it because yeah. I love the uh, the accountability. First of all, if somebody says, yeah, Mark, uh, I heard you say something about a month ago. Go, oh, really? <laughs> then we go revisit and, and say, hey, guess what? Sometimes they're right. Whoops. Yeah. Hey, you know? yeah. I, mean, I was, I was in the room. I, I lived it. And sometimes it's, it's, it's enter, it's, it's useful and educational to go back and hear prior shows. The ability to do more for listeners, the ability to offer more to the public is great, but you've really touched on something, two things that are very interesting. Number one is the nature of how we consume 
everything. If your big headings are print, television, and radio, print, the word is there forever on a printed page. And now on an online page, the words are there. You can go find them forever. That's just understood. TV used to be there. The pictures move, but they would be there and it would be gone. Now your TV shows wait for you. Something's on at eight o'clock tonight. You're at dinner. No problem. Fire up the DVR and there you are. Now radio is exactly the same thing. Radio has the ability to offer people past shows to later in the day, go back and listen there. There's sort of a DVR version of radio, or if you're listening to me, you can pause, go back 15, 30 seconds. It's crazy. Wow. The latitude that is being presented to listeners now now, the second fascinating element of, of keeping track of that technology is it has given the listenership, the consumer, an enormous sense of empowerment and, in, in pardon the way this sounds, in some cases, entitlement. Because if they know that all these stations are putting stuff out there, I'll get calls from people and they'll say, yeah, Mark, you know, you played something, uh, you know, three, four days ago. Uh, you know, can you put that on the website or can you play that again or something? And, 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 and I better doggone well do it because it's, it's part of customer service. And I'm glad to do it. And I'm glad that I have an accommodating spirit in that regard, because it used to be come in, sit down, do a radio show and you were done. There's that show. It's out there in the ether. Next one tomorrow. That's it. Now, any show you do creates 10 or 15 other chores you may then be asked to pursue. Nice, and so you nice. better love it. You better have a heart for it. You better enjoy it. And the good news is that I do. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's a wow. That's interesting. So it just like multiplies workload, but in a good way, right? Because there are benefits to that you gain also from it. So it, it's a it's a give and take um, right. as far as that goes. Yeah. You know, I was having a discussion with somebody about uh, an actor, actually, um, Jim Beaver, who is on Supernatural. Have you ever seen that show? Um, he's also on the Bo in the boys that show that's on Amazon Prime. Uh, he plays like a general, I think, in the show. Anyway, we, we were talking about, um, the, OK, the, the way that shows come out now, right? The Netflix model of let's put out the whole season of this show versus we're going to release episode per episode. Because when the new, I guess the first season of The Boys came out just like Netflix model, boom, all, all of uh, the whole season. Well, with the second season, they did something different. They decided we're going to release the first three episodes and then release weekly on Friday a new episode. And it was just a fascinating discussion because he has so many, you know, give and takes about it. It's like, well, yes, you, you are a part of, you know, the water cooler conversation now during the week. Right. We, we can talk about the episode, you know. Monday through Friday or whatever with coworkers and, and whatever and, and, and anticipate the, the show coming up the, the following Friday. The flip side to that is the reason why they went to the Netflix model, which is sort of the idea of, I, you know, it's kind of goes in line with what you said a little bit. Like I get the power now of when I'm going to watch this and when I'm going to do it so I can fit it into my schedule. Look, I've got soccer stuff happening Friday with my kids. I got a, this, I got, I can't do, I, you know, I can't, I, I want to watch it all when I have the time. So I see the give and take. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. There is an argument to be made for both ways of conducting television life or, or the release of anything. The old guy in me, the nostalgia in me, <laughs> misses when we'd all show up at work and we know that we all saw the previous nights all in the family. We know we all saw the previous night's Hill Street Blues because that's where it was and that's where you had to go to see it. And it was a more communal experience.
Now, if something is dumped on Netflix, 10 episodes, well, maybe you're binging and maybe you're not. It may yeah. take you forever to get through The Crown or Game of Thrones or whatever. How far into you? Episode seven. Episode seven. What's the matter with you? I'm on episode 43. And, and it's a more disjointed kind of thing. But I have my own sense of entitlement as a consumer because now I've grown used to, I, I was kind of a late comer to The Crown. So my wife and I did all the seasons of The Crown in like three weeks. And now we're just ready for season four. Let's get its days away. So here we go, here we go, here we go. And it is completely under our control. We can watch one episode tonight if we want to, or tomorrow's Saturday. Let's knock down five or six. Come on, let's go. Fire up. <laughs> let's go. And so when something comes out, there are two, two shows that I've really enjoyed, am enjoying and did enjoy. Um, I think... Let's see. Well, Apple Plus is where we got the wonderful Jason Sudeikis in Ted Lasso, an American so football good. coach who goes so out and, and coaches British soccer. And they were releasing those week after week after week. So I got into this, got hooked like a trout as of like episode three. And then I was ready to go to episode four. It's like, excuse me, what? That doesn't come out till next week. And it took me six weeks to see the next six episodes. And I was not happy about it. I mean, I'm, I'm having fun. Of here. course, of course it was, it was odd. It was like, well, okay, I guess we can't go to the next one. And the other one is in progress right now. The remake, it is on Disney plus of, of the right stuff, a wonderful Tom Wolf book and an incredible movie from 1983 about the Mercury astronauts, the earliest history of America in space. And yeah. they're doing those. I like a couple at a time. They didn't release two. And then that's like one a week. So I'm wondering if and this may differ from show to show and from person to person, which is the better way to consume art. Is, is it more effective? Is it more impactful? If you can sit there and knock out eight hours of a show and just let it flow like some marathon movie, or is it better if it's like delayed gratification where it's like, here's a snippet, wait, think about it, let it ruminate. Let it, because what you don't get is the ability to take a week and talk about what you just saw. Because if you just saw something, you know, you got to turn it around and, and, and here's the next episode. So, you know, hey, if we were at my house, you'd be hearing three dogs. So you hear uh, that? Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. Nothing gosh. helps the sound I, of a And whom, whom are we hearing there? Who, who would that have been? My two dogs, Mac and Rocket, they they come on the show every once in a while. They'll jump in on the podcast, you know. Well, they just did. Yeah, they just did. And what are they visually? What are they? They're uh, one's a little uh, black uh, Spanish greyhound that I brought from Spain when I used to live in Spain. And yeah, he's also a little rescue dog. And then the other one I got in Dallas when I lived in Dallas uh, from the SPCA. Good for uh, you. Good they're for fine. You. They're just barking at the, oh, at the oh, door here. Yeah. Sound of dogs and sound of kids. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Hang on. Let me just tell them the. the no problem. Para. Para ya. They, they, I, they understand only Spanish commands. Oh, sure they do. <laughs> so, <laughs> Go with my, that. My, right, listen, they're used to whatever you do. I mean, if you yeah, hit, them exactly. with Mandarin, hit them with Mandarin Chinese, <laughs> they're going to respond to it. Exactly. I think it's funny uh, when I speak Spanish to a dog, they'll be like, they, they understand Spanish. I'm like, well, whatever language you train them in is what exactly. they're going to learn. It's like. It, it, they don't all speak. They don't all understand English across the world. I promise you that is not how it yes, works. It is one world. Uh, yeah, it's one world. Uh, so, okay. So getting back to that. Yeah. Very fascinating. Um, also, like, did you hear about QuickBee going down? Right. So this whole of how to take in 
content, just like you're saying, I mean, it's just like you're saying, you know, I, I think it has to do with this. Honestly, I think every show is different. I think every show lends itself to a different format of how to it to be absorbed. That's just the front. How are the how are the showrunners creating each episode? Are they are they connected? Is it a 10 episode arc? Are they episodic where I can just, you know, absorb one after the other? Maybe there's an underlying right narrative that does carry through uh, through other episodes. But I think it just depends on on the show. Uh, but it, to say that, you know, but I understand like your frustration with the Ted Lasso thing, because I have that same frustration with shows where I'm into it. And then like, I have to wait so long, I forget about it. And How then like, they make us wait. And yeah. I wonder about the, you're talking about showrunners, writers, creators, they clearly know what they are. Well, one presumes they know that they're going to do a show on Apple plus and it's going to come out once a week, or they know it's going to be on Netflix and it's going to be instant dump and everybody can watch the whole thing in one weekend if they want to. How does that change the writing? How does that change the story arc? Are you less, for example, less likely to end every episode with some kind of cliffhanger? If yeah. you know people are just going to blast through episodes one, two, three, four, you don't necessarily have to have some aha moment at the end of every episode. Whereas if somebody's going to be waiting around for a week, you need to have something at the end of episode three that they're going to remember so that they come back for episode four, seven days from now. There may be, yeah. it may affect the creative process. And I wonder if as a writer, I mean, you're probably, you're going to cash the check from wherever it comes <laughs> yeah. uh, and, be, and be very happy for it. Would one rather write for something that is linear, that's going to just dump and let people, or would one prefer, is it more of a creative challenge to write something that's going to be more staccato? I, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a, absolutely. It's a great point. Uh, again, I think it's, you know, the, the, this is what I love about something that's not on CBS or I mean, the way that the commercials are taken out. Right. So the writing changes, right. When you don't have to write for the commercial breaks that I love that I'm, I'm happy when I see shows don't have the commercial breaks and they're writing in a much different way. Um, you know, I lived in Europe for a few years and when you see television programming over there, it is so different, not just, of course, they're speaking a different language or whatever, but the way they tell stories is different. So, I love that. And I love that, you know, they'll, they'll use it a different way, but not to say it's better or any, it's just different. So I liked that this system came in where we started to get rid of the commercials and it just gave this free blank canvas to creators to, you know, okay, I'm going to create this story without the limit of, okay, at minute seven, I have to make sure we do this cool dun dun dun, you know, before we talk about Tylenol for, you know, three minutes. It's like so and, and even such if a you're even thing. if you're even if you're whipping through the commercials or you're watching something that's on some network on demand or you're watching yeah. something on on iTunes or you know, et cetera, with it that was a network TV show. So you're whipping through, you you don't have the commercials, it still stops for them. It is still written as though they were there. And it makes it kind of go, and yeah, then go, exactly. and then go, and go. I mean, of course, that's been TV since the birth of TV, uh, you yeah, know, 100%. almost a century ago. So it's not like that was horribly problematic uh, yeah. during the run of, of some of the best shows in TV. But now to be unfettered by that probably is a creative, a creative plus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Mark, hang on one second. I'm so sorry. Uh, let me just, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> There's a, a, cat, a cat snuck into my backyard and he's hanging uh, right by my pond, staring at them. <laughs> that, that is, 
I have koi fish in my pond. I've actually never seen a cat come to my backyard like that because my dogs are trained to to roam the perimeter, if you will. Uh, so that's hilarious. I'm so sorry, Mark. I apologize. Clearly, they're clearly they're doing a good job of security. <laughs> yeah, no, they they absolutely are. Uh, if you if you walk or crawl or breathe or fly anywhere in my backyard, you're not coming out alive. Uh, that that's, that's yeah, so they know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, uh, look, that's the perils of, of home studio uh, life because of the pandemic here. Uh, to be, I can't wait to get out of uh, get back to the real studio, to be honest with you. Although I'm getting more comfortable with my setup here. I took a long time to get it ready. So now I'm like, well, but I don't want to leave it now. You know, well, it, so. it looks great. And then, then you get into the entire nature of the dominant storyline in all of our lives. And that is seven straight months of this. Nobody, I presume, thought that it was going to last this long. Yeah. We have all we have coped, if that's what it's called. We have adjusted. <laughs> we have endured. And I think everybody has a list in this COVID era of things that still suck, that are terrible, that they're really getting tired of things that they are slowly finding a way to adjust to and adapt to and things that, and this is the most important list, things that they might've learned that might be a silver lining. Maybe there are family relationships that are helped. Maybe there are skill sets, hobbies, books read, shows streamed that you would not have had the otherwise the chance to do. And I hope, I mean, I'm looking to get out of this as certainly and as quickly as anybody, but hopefully when this is in our rear view mirror, uh, the positives will have outweighed the negatives. Love that. Lo love that you said that, Mark. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good time to take advantage if you can, you know, sp spend more time with your family, catch up on things, uh, just yourself, better yourself, uh, you know, get a little more healthy, eat better, whatever, exercise, whatever you can do to uh, look at yourself uh, in turn. I, I agree uh, completely. Um, you know, Mark, I, I don't want to change subjects so dramatically, oh, but screw it. But screw it. This is a podcast. This is what I do. So the, the uh, third, you're a political commentator, so we might as well get into a little bit of this. The third, I'm not very political, to, to be honest with you, um, but I enjoy conversations. So the third debate was was last night. Um, I don't know if you want. I'm assuming you watched it uh, for <laughs> yeah. sure, right? Like, you're like, no, I didn't I catch it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now nah, there was football on, man. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> man, I, I got I got to go find a YouTube. Get, uh, <laughs> am I embarrassed? That was funny. That was funny. Yeah. What did you think of uh, what did you think of the debate last night? Okay. The, the, the first thing would be, and again, you know, recording this on the Friday morning following the second and final third, third debate overall, if you throw in the vice presidential yeah. one, the, the comparison one makes is with the first debate, which virtually everyone hated uh, because it was basically president Trump, vice president Biden, just talking all over each other. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Trump, Trump tends to be the, uh, uh, the, the alpha male of talking, uh, and so he was, he was just all adrenaline up. And, and even those of us who are in that support base found ourselves saying, wow, sir, just let the game come to you. <laughs> let, let the game come to you. Yeah. And he was so worked up that that resulted in vice president Biden, who tends to be a, a somewhat more mannerly and measured soul. Uh, called him a clown at one point, told him to shut up at one point. So everybody was all hyped up and ticked off. And, and then throw in some difficulties in gathering control from moderator Chris Wallace, and it was just a first-class cluster. So along comes this debate, the second debate, last night, the 22nd, 
And the anticipation ran high because the debate commission, uh, the first thing they tried to do is they tried to take it the second debate and do it virtually, do it like this. Uh, And the Trump campaign said, nope, needs to be a real debate in person, real people. And the eternal question is, did he miss an opportunity there? Should he have done the virtual debate? It's impossible to know. It might have gone well, might not. I think the reason he didn't, the reason he chose not to is the president, say what you will, you can like this or not like this. He's about real events in person with real people, whether it's 10,000 of them on a tarmac or one other guy on a debate stage. So be that as it may, we wound up with one more debate. That was last night, Kristen Welker moderating. And expectations were, first of all, that, that she'd have to be as argumentative as Chris Wallace was. She wasn't. And the debate commission threw in its interesting wrinkle by saying, all right, tell you what, if the first debate annoyed virtually everyone because of the constant interruptions, we're going to mute the mics for the for, or, or one at a time. So if it's you versus me, it's like, okay, you go first. Here's your two minutes uninterrupted. And the reason we know it's going to be uninterrupted is because my mic is turned off. And then vice versa, I get to go for two minutes. How do I know I'm uninterrupted? Because your mic is turned off. And, and I, I found myself thinking during the week leading up to this, I said, you know, in a weird way, this may help the president. And I think it totally did. It forced him, if you want to say that, into a, into a measured patience that served him well. As for Vice President Biden, and just full disclosure, I'm obviously a conservative here, but I, I also, for a living, try to objectively assess things as they are pitched to various audiences. Um, Vice President Biden, uh, he exceeded. He, he has exceeded expectations in both debates because the expectations were so low. He has yeah. had the unfortunate nature of media today is that if there is a gaffe, it gets played 75 times. And it's like, that's all you did. So can you find... Vice President Biden with the occasional brain fart. Yes, you can. Uh, Does it happen every 10 minutes in an average day? Of course not. But those things get replayed. And so when when Mr. Biden was on a debate stage for an hour and a half and seemed coherent, it was like, wow, he he didn't, you know, blink out. That's great. So last night, last night was probably more about Uh, content and less about personality, less about their competing views of the country, uh, more about competing views of the country than about competing style, which was probably helpful to both of them. Yeah, uh, well, what a what a great uh, constructive answer. What what did you think about the um, the moderator? You mentioned her a little bit, but I, I really enjoyed her because I didn't notice her. Uh, boy, like officials in a sporting event, you know you've done well if you're just doing what you're supposed to do and you don't become the story. Yeah. Um, Chris Wallace was totally the story. And I, I felt for him because he had two guys just going, rah, 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 rah. I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, how do yeah, you, how do you, totally. It's like herding cats. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Susan Page. Susan Page of USA Today did the vice presidential debate, which was much better behaved because it's Mike Pence and Senator Harris. You know, it's yeah. not a big, uh, not, not a big uh, caustic ball of uh, uh, of adrenaline. So this time, uh, Kristen Welker had a, had the the playing field striped out in a way that made it more conducive to keeping people on a certain track. You got two minutes, go. Now you got two minutes, go. And, and even in the midst of some of their back and forth time, she found a way 
and it's easier to recognize than it is to describe. She found a way to kind of nudge people like, oh, why do you say that? Or what did you mean by that? That kind of guided things along in a really palatable, more easily consumable way. Yeah, I agree. I think another positive thing she did that I didn't catch till about halfway through the interview or the debate, excuse me, that I thought, oh, that's smart. She was what she would say. She would let everybody uh, respond. Somehow she found a way to let everybody respond back and forth, but still keep it going. She was so good. But what I noticed is she would say, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead and respond. And then we're going to discuss this. Absolutely. Right. That was smart. That was really genius of that. It seems like it, it seems like it has to be all one or the other when, when candidates want just a little bit more of back and forth, that tends to be a good thing to an extreme. They're just yelling at each other and sniping over each other. That was debate number one to the other extreme. It's like uh, excessive rigidity on the part of the moderator. If somebody has just five or 10 more words, no, no, we're done here. Stop it. Go next person. Go. Then, then people are left at home going, dude, let him, let him finish his sentence. Totally found a wonderful balance, essentially saying, okay, 10 or 15 more seconds, but then I'm, I'm hopping back in, giving them an envelope of 10 or 15 seconds, not just, yeah, go ahead and finish your point. At which point, three minutes, I'm still talking. Uh, <laughs> but it's like take 10 or 15, giving them a finite envelope so that they knew they'd better craft together one sentence or two and then be done. Or, yeah, I love that. Exactly. Because it's what we want. You're right. It, exactly what we want is, is uh, you know, viewers. Uh, let them finish. Exactly. Let them get quickly respond to that. I just I loved it. It was just really good. Again, I think you know, whatever you, if you, whatever you can say about Biden or Trump, whichever it is, you know, what as American people, what we actually want to see is a a conversation, a debate, you know, not something we can't even absorb, right? Which was the first debate, no matter which side you're on, it wasn't good for anybody. So yes, I think uh, last night was actually a breath of fresh air in the sense that, again, whether or not you agree with Trump or not, at least you got to hear him say his points in a very Finally, just something, you know, coherent, just straightforward. Okay, this is what I'm thinking. Biden, same thing. Okay, you got your time. Let's hear it. Yeah, I I liked it a lot, uh, to be honest with you, for for that sense. For for a historical burst, after the first one, after the the interruption fest, people invoked something. And it's spoken of a lot. So what we really should have is, is, is maybe just no moderator at all and just let these guys go at it. And the reference is made to the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Now, those were not presidential. That is when Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas were running for the United States Senate from Illinois in the 1850s. And if you dig deep, and there, there are transcripts of this, and they are amazingly thoughtful, amazingly deep. And the reason why they're deep is and they alternated, they went all over the state of Illinois. And let's say in, 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 in tonight in Springfield, Illinois, Abraham Lincoln goes first. He goes for 30 minutes. Wow. Go. Then Mr. Douglas gets 60 minutes. Go. And then Abe comes back for 30 to wrap up. And then the, tomorrow night, they flip it. Stephen Douglas goes first. So it's 30 of talking. Yeah. 60 of more talking and then 30 <laughs> of some additional talking that that's that's like like with no because maybe it's just my modern tastes because surely and if you go back and look at the transcripts of the lincoln douglas debates they totally address what the other person has said 
But by then, who remembers what the other person has said? Maybe that's just today's modern short attention span. Uh, and I, I don't ever want to go back to that because after, it, it, again, in today's fast-paced world, after somebody says something, I'd kind of like go, okay, what does this other guy have to say about that? And then he starts saying, that, all right, wait a minute. What does this other guy have to say? In other words, I, I silly me, I kind of want it to be like a talk show. If I ever have a bunch of people in this studio or a, a candidate debate in here, which I have sometimes done, we don't do time limits or, you know, or, or a, a, an actual official debate has to. But if I've got, uh, you know, people in, with competing views on the show, uh, I just sort of let them go and then go, okay, and then hand it to the other person when they sort of naturally seem to come to the end of point. And if one person is way talkier than the other, yeah, you got to kind of rein folks in. But um, I think we've come to a point where we like things that more closely resemble actual conversation. And last night did more, certainly more so than the first one. I mean, yeah, a thousand percent. Um, you know, I'm curious, you, you know, you're conservative. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to assume you're probably supporting Trump. That's fine. Um, you know, Completely. I support Biden. I support Biden. Uh, full disclosure, you know, I'm, it's, I talk about it on the podcast all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, what do you think Trump has to do in these last, gosh, how many days is it? So what, 11, seven, eight, 11, 11 days. 11, 11 days. 11 days. What, what do you think Trump has to do in these next 11 days to, you know, get, get people behind him and get, get some support for him? It is, obviously, that's the billion-dollar question. And sure. obviously his campaign, I know what they want to do and what they will do. And then I'll get closer to what I think they ought to do, which is not a wholly different answer. If you're just coming off your first term as president, whether you're Barack Obama, Donald Trump, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, your goal is to have the American people say, yeah, I want more of that. Yeah. And in the, in, in the case of Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and George W. Bush, they succeeded because they won re-election. In the case of Bush 41, didn't happen. Lost to Bill Clinton in 1992. So you know, why was that? You can go back and find various reasons. If you're not successful in having America want more of you, they are going to change up at that position. So the obvious Trump task is to get people, get more people to the polls who want to continue his presidency than there are people at the polls who want it to stop. The, there are two ways to do that accentuate the positive as the old 1940s song goes and talk about the economy and talk about strong borders and talk about uh, regulatory reform and talk about constitutional Supreme Court justices. But you've got to do more than just talk about the things you've done that conservatives like. Uh, you, you have to do that, obviously. The things that conservatives have liked do involve, you know, right. Judge Barrett and, and strong borders and tax cuts. But you got to do things, make your point that you've done things that everybody should like. Uh, things like, rejuvenating the economy and, and, and that, that the, the skill set that enabled me to build the economy as I did pre-COVID is the same skill set that's going to enable me to build it back. I also don't know if there is a, a stark difference politically in how people feel uh, about, about shutting down. I think there are liberals who do not want the world shut down as much as maybe a President Biden would. And there might be people who say, you know, I don't know what I think of Trump on A, B, C, or D, but it just seems like a somewhat more optimistic view. And so maybe I wanna sign on to that rather than the dark winter that Joe gave us in the uh, imagery of the debate. Uh, conversely, Joe Biden's job is to, is to say, we gotta have a change in the White House. And it may well be, and this is the huge X factor, is the whole COVID-19 uh, storyline. If we are COVID-free, 
I don't want to say Trump wins and it's not that it is not close, but his win would be virtually definite because the only real differences are the usual differences between Republicans and Democrats and what would settle the score are probably the things that helped him win in the first place. And that's independence and moderates, all of the things being equal with a booming economy. James Carville said it best, you know, it's the economy, stupid. And, and that often <laughs> is, it's like, you know, they, may not, they might not love Trump, but they love their job. They love their 401k. He, his win would be all but certain without COVID. Throw in COVID, and is it possible that people are sufficiently dispirited, sufficiently frustrated that we haven't solved this yet and they think it's his fault joe wants people to think that it's his fault uh that they that they just they they think i I hate this america is not as it should be i'm frustrated by that let's give this other guy a shot see if he can do better i guarantee you i just described millions of voters if it's that's me i'm one of those people if it's it's 20 million voters if it's 20 million voters then biden wins if it's you know one or two million, uh, then then the president probably wins, even with uh, the the polls showing a national lead. Because as you know, we don't have a national election; we have fifty state elections, and yeah. you have to win X number of states to win the electoral college. Yeah, so true. that that's the I've sort of given you you know more than you asked for. That's what Trump has to do. That's what Biden has to do. And who does the better job? Uh, we'll find out as as these days unfold. Yeah, that's true. We'll find out. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, look, we all we all were there for 2016. It's tough to trust the polls. It's tough to look at the polls and go, oh, yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. I, I'll never make that mistake again in my life, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. It's like it's up in the air. Um, I, I mean, literally, I have no idea. I want to keep it that way. I don't I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I'm curious about this. Do you think that if uh, the pandemic COVID-19 had not happened, do you think Trump would be in a much better position, like flying through this, like no problem? I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. Well, nobody uh, other than I, mean, I guess Ray, it's hard to say, but no, no exactly. But uh, that's OK. I, I, I enjoy the thought experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Other other than Ronald Reagan in 1984 or Nixon in 1972, uh, huge landslides in the last 50 years. Nobody ever has it easy. We are uh, we're a contentious country. We're a divided country, which, by the way, is fine. People feel this way. People feel that way. Nobody can ever unify ever. No matter who wins on November 3rd, roughly half of America is going to be ecstatic. The other half of America is going to be miserable. No, and then we just it's how do we all cope and find some way to put on our pants and go to work in the morning? So uh, it, it, this was going to be. I don't know necessarily a close election, but it, it wasn't going to be necessarily a landslide no matter what. Uh, I'll just go back to three, four minutes ago that without COVID, the usual factor, that the strongest factor would, would be the economy. The other factors would be, um, is your base still enthusiastic about you? And for yeah, President yeah. Trump, that's undeniably true. Uh, and so the reason why with the economy seeming to go the economy is growing is is seeming to regain its footing the trump base remains as energized as as it ever has been so why isn't this just a slam dunk and again it, it's it's the covid curveball if it, we are in a contentious time and they're probably to throw another complicating factor in the it's not that covid did this to us but i have a feeling other issues issues of race issues of uh, social strife. Um, how exactly has that 
played out. Let's take a look at things that have accelerated to the point of, of actual rioting, not like that's the only thing you pay attention to. There is activism, there is discord, there is passion, all kinds, I mean, you know, Black Lives Matter, sporting events, you know, the culture seems wrapped up in all of this. And there are two things happening at the same time. The people who are on board for all these calls for social justice are totally energized and ready to vote for a guy who might bring about somewhat closer to that agenda. The extremes of that, the actual rioting, the scolding that we've received from pampered athletes telling us our country is a racist hellhole, there's, there's, there's a, a backlash to that. There are a lot of people who are saying, excuse me, I don't think so. And while of course every black life matters, the activism, the, the pigs in blanket fry them like bacon uh, chant, that's not something we're going to let fly. And there are voters who will vote for Trump to offer up a rebuke of that. Now, which of those groups is bigger? We're about to find out. Because yeah, I don't know, right, sitting, sitting right here, I do not know. Yeah, it's tough to say. Uh, you know, when you're in Texas, it's a weird, it, it's, it's like hard to get a good grasp of what's happening in the rest of the country, to be honest with you. I think it's probably safe to say that no matter where you live, that, that may be the case. Now, you may think you have a grasp of no no this is how it's actually happening you know that this is like i was listening to matthew mcconaughey for instance on joe rogan yesterday um and he was talking about austin a lot and he was saying things about austin that i just don't think are true and I, like he would say he said like well you know in austin is so different than the rest of the country we're not so divided here you know people one guy will have a trump sign in his yard and in the next yard it's a biden sign and they're just talking having a good time i'm like where are you at, Matthew? Because that is not happening in my neighborhood, right? Like, I, I'm just curious. I just think like some people get so disconnected from what's happening, right? And they may not have, or their empirical experience then becomes, well, this is this is the world. Well, sure. You know? well, would it, would it, right? it be your observation? Because this is because it's funny because people talk about Texas like it's monolithic. Yeah. Hardly. I, I, I totally. I, I completely believe Texas remains a red state. Trump will totally win Texas. Cornyn will totally win. But I don't think it'll be, I don't think Trump will beat Biden by the degree that he, by the nine points or so that he beat Hillary. Uh, I don't think Cornyn's going to win by two, like in the Ted Cruz Beto thing, but it's not going to be 12 either. Texas, it, it depends on people go, well, the politics of Texas depends on where you are. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're in some affluent DFW suburb like Allen or Frisco, oh, please, it's total Trump signs everywhere. Yeah. But if you're in Austin, if you're in downtown Houston, if you're in downtown Dallas, if you're in San Antonio, if you're in El Paso, there are profound uh, areas of blue in our red state. So just so I understand, would you say when, when, when Matthew was talking about sort of the... Uh, uh, dichotomy of Austin, would it be your observation that while we may be a red state, Austin is a totally liberal city, or at least seems 90% liberal by yes. your record? Yeah, yeah. I, I, would agree, I would agree with you. I would totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It definitely yeah. is uh, more, definitely more liberal here, uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, you know, gosh, I've been here since 2014. I moved here, opened my food truck, right, get it going. Look, I never talked politics with anybody the first couple of years I was here. Liberal, conservative, con Republican, Democrat, never comes up in a conversation. I'm just serving food. I, I'm working with you. I'm 
nothing had literally till Trump became president. Then all of a sudden, everyone like put on a different coat and like it showed more about you or something. It was very strange. And it, it, that I felt a divide immediately between certain people. But at the same time, it's kind of not there as well. Um, I don't know. Again, it just depends. Right. It's just such a hard thing to put in a box. It's, it's very hard for me to just say, well, this is how it is. And this you know, is how this happened? is. I'll, I'll tell you what I think happened. And I'm, I'm going to go with this. What made 2016 different and what makes us seem we, we've always been divided. We've never not been divided. Is this the worst it's ever been? Yeah. Go back to the 1860s. Fine. And yeah, that civil war thing we've been <laughs> more divided than Oh, that's true. Uh, anyway, there's never been a time, you know, even in the, the 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 feel good era of Eisenhower in the late 50s, there were still bitter divides. So just enough with this nonsense that you know America used to be unified. We never have been. We never will be, and that's okay because it means diversity of viewpoint. But so what happened in 2016? The answer is the change became real. We have, I mean, really real. We had, I mean, Reagan came along and was very definitive for, for conservative governance of uh, the Obama uh, presidency, which I opposed every day of. You have to, historic, history will observe it was a very consequential presidency. What Barack Obama sought to do, he succeeded in doing. There is no doubt about it. And so we, we've had the pendulum you know, kind of swing, it'll swing left, it'll swing right. And over the course of a lifetime, and I've been around for, you know, soon to be 63 years, seen a lot, and I'll see a lot more, I hope. But in 2016, for whatever reason, along came the most curious vehicle for the most conservative presidency in modern history. Reagan, from a conservative viewpoint, rescued us from a second term of Jimmy Carter. Trump rescued us from a Hillary presidency and just from, you know, my conservative treehouse is a much bigger deal. And along comes the Trump presidency with its policies on borders, Supreme Court, taxes, uh, the environment, 10 other things I could mention that are absolutely the most conservative things to come down the pike in generations. The change is real. And this means two things. The people on board for the change are thrilled. How is anybody foggy? How can how can conservatives like Trump in view of bleaky bleaky bleak? Because none of that crap matters. What he was doing 30 years ago, whether they like the tweets, none of that matters. Results are what matter. And, and, and even you know, evangelical Christians, why do they love him? Because, because he's fighting for the religious freedom that we crave, because he's blasting through the political correctness, which is enemy number one. Now, flip side of that coin. The, the liberal America, the American left, the change is real as they see it as well. And it's a wholesale change away from a ton of things they thought were going pretty well. We had two terms of Obama, even during, you know, God bless the Bushes, even during that presidency, you know, we, we, we did not like that was the most conservative thing to ever happen. So when the change is real, two things are going to happen. The people on board for that change are going to be thrilled the people who oppose that change are going to be very fired up to retake the wheel. And so two of those things are happening. And that's what this election's all about. And, and so that's why everybody just is so amped up and hyped up because it's not just another Democrat presidency, another Republican presidency. Oh, well, just slightly different uh, flavors of the same tune. Oh, no. The change is real, and that means that the the differences are far more stark. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good yeah, that's a good explanation of it from both sides, honestly. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, yeah, someone that was not political before that happened. Um, it's been an interesting four years for myself, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm honestly ready to get back to how it was before where I just every once in a while saw something or whatever uh, you know i'm just more of a creative artistic person i just like I, I like dealing with that stuff more my family yeah. my wife my dogs you know uh, i don't know just i, I enjoy th those things in my my life not not to not to say that no, right my, my civil duties my civic duties aren't important sure. and and whatever i just i think those duties are more important than my political duties because mm -hmm. i separate politics and civics so i realize it's my duty to go vote yeah. and and pay attention to a few things but gosh i'm so ready to just like well, not think I, about this all the time I, I have good i got good news and bad news uh the the good news and i, I mean that somewhat tongue-in-cheek except <laughs> we'll fo follow along here yeah. the good news is no matter what's going on, though, that list of things that you mentioned about your work, your creative uh, flow, your dogs, your family, the world doesn't dictate how you get to pay attention to that. Yeah, you that's you true. pay attention to that if the world is on fire outside your door, figuratively, yeah. if not literally, <laughs> you still get to pay attention to what you want to pay attention to. And, and I, I talk about this a lot is people go, I'm so dispirited by this, or I'm so beaten down by that, or, you know, my, my family hates me on Facebook. Well, do what you got to do. Surround yourself with people who are willing to overlook political differences and maintain friendships and maintain family. And so the good news is that is something that is more under our control than people might think. Now, here comes the, the, the tricky news. Uh, if you think the Biden win results in everybody calming down, guess again. No matter, no, because everything I go back, rewind three minutes. Everything I said will still be true. If, if Trump wins, here comes four more years of that, and half of America is going to be liquored up and pissed off and red. I mean, figuratively, yeah. are going to be, just, ah, they're going to be, you know, their heads are going to be exploding. And if Biden wins, oh my lord! I know the Biden commercials are, oh, we need to pull together, and there's no red states and blue states. Dream on, Joe. Yes, there are. And 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 if Biden wins, he very properly will roll out an agenda involving taxes and environmental policy and Supreme Court nominations that are going to drive me insane. And that's the music of democracy. That's the sound of American debate. So the notion that, and I don't know how we ever, you know, get back to a uh, calmer, more sanguine time, maybe we'll all just get tired of the temperature. Or maybe if let's say there is a second Trump term, okay, two, two ways to do it. A second Trump term after eight years of Trump, it's like, okay, I guess, I guess this is what the country wanted. Maybe we don't want the Green New Deal. Maybe there are things we can do to expand some subsidies for solar and wind, but maybe the full-on Green New Deal, that just ain't going to happen. Maybe we don't want to return to the, to the Paris Climate Accords. Maybe we don't want, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we end up with a Democrat party that looked more like what it looked like under JFK. Um, however, if Biden wins and then you get President Kamala Harris or we get a couple of Democrat presidencies in a row, maybe it'll be the conservative job to go, Okay, I guess that's the flavor some folks wanted. And maybe our best job is to be a backstop against the most extreme things. 
you know, maybe we, Obama and then Trump was maybe the most sharp, the, the broadest swing of yeah. the pendulum that we've ever had. Yeah, uh, yeah. President Obama is surely one of our most liberal presidents. I've already described Trump as one of our most conservative. So it's like a head snapping change of direction. Maybe after that pendulum starts to calm down a little bit, not that everything is going to be centrist or down the middle, but maybe the temperature will go down if the next couple of two or three elections reveal that we seem to be going in one way and not the other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What, what do you think about Trump being a conservative does, does that strike you as odd? You, have you been conservative Republican your whole life? Oh, uh, well, my entire, ever since I've been old enough to pay attention. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why in 2016, well, well obviously he, 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 he'd been putting his toe in the political pool for a good long while. And if you'd asked me about Trump in 2012 or 2013, I'd have said, well, he certainly says some things that resonate conservatively business wise. He certainly has some appeal but I certainly didn't view him as a big pro-lifer. And I, there, uh, it, it was, it was, it was an incomplete picture. Then he comes down the escalator the Trump tower in 2015 and begins to run a campaign that looks completely Reagan-esque that strikes every note, most notes that a conservative might want on borders, on taxes, on, on a hundred other things. So then it became a matter of, do we believe him? Are we taking yeah. him? Because I didn't certainly didn't think he was a liar. I didn't think he was hosing us. So during the 2016 primary campaign, when my first choice was was Ted Cruz, because boy, there ain't no doubting that conservatism, right? Uh, everybody would say, "Oh, Trump's phony." There's no way that he's a conservative. He's and I said, "What? What evidence is there of that?" And then people said, "Oh, he can't win. There's no way." Well, he's packing sixteen thousand people in the American Airlines Center. So even while I remained a Cruz guy, I would I was kept I kept beating down these Trump naysayers. Of course, he can win if he's the nominee, and and he seems to to be a a, a, a believable convert to conservatism. Conservatives are funny. Uh, Republicans are funny and, the, and my callers are funny Th that if somebody hasn't felt this way since the womb, it's like, whoa, you know, we're very suspicious. Whereas I, I take a very different view. If, if I find somebody who used to be pro-choice and now they become pro-life, I have two words to say to them. Thank you. Because it's like, you know, yeah, from a conservative perspective, they have, sure, sure. they, they've, they found clarity. So if president Trump, uh, be, if conservative things began to resonate with him. And I, I, I think it's hard to fake this. I think it's very hard. I think it's hard to fake genuine conservatism or liberalism. Sooner or later, if you're, if you really are, you know, uh, scamming people, they're going to know. Uh, he developed credibility. So on that, that evening in early May of 2016, when the, the Indiana primary results came in, and the only two people left in the race were Trump and Cruz, and Trump beat Senator Cruz, and Cruz had to withdraw. The amount of time it take it took me to to pivot to to candidate Donald Trump was about a millisecond, and I have not been disappointed since. Um, oh, that's interesting. So you know, yeah, what what I found fascinating is that so many people. I guess this is politics. I'm assuming. Um, I just found so many people were against Trump when he was running to be the nominee back in 2016. You know, there's quotes from all kinds of Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, just all this stuff. And then all of a sudden we get, oh, no, he's our hero. Is that <coughs> excuse me? I guess that's just politics. You sort of let somebody 
say all these horrible things about you say horrible things about them, which is what I feel is how they really truly feel. So then when I see them go, well, actually, he's a great guy. I love him to death. It's like, wait a second. I'm just a normal American. So I'm just thinking, wait a second. That's right. Like that just that seems odd to me. It may be the reverse, however. The tension and the bricks thrown back and forth are a product of the political battle. You had 17 Republicans running for president who agree, by definition, they agree on most things. But if, let's say, you and I are two of them, let's say we're the last two left and we're in the same party, we agree on most things, I can't focus on that. I got to focus on the differences we have. And by the way, you're a bum. You know, and you've got to say, well, you know, but you're wrong about this and, you know, and you're a terrible person. So, and that's what makes everybody so weary and the fatigue sets in with the negative ads and boy, in this home stretch now, you can't watch TV without my opponent is a nasty communist devil worshiper. (laughs) Whoa, wait a minute. What? Don't, don't you just really kind of disagree on the issues? Yeah, but who listens to that? So, so that's what the primaries are. It will always be once the primaries are over kumbaya, all is forgiven, everything's fine, he's swell. After something as contentious as the Republican primaries in 2016, people still can't believe that Ted Cruz can stand the sight of President Trump. Trump was talking about stuff about his dad, stuff yeah, about Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, unflattering that's thing exactly. about his yeah. wife. Are you kidding me? But that I mean, was Ted just... Cruz is a Texan. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you're a Texan, bro. You need to stand up for your family, yourself. What are you doing? So, so part. So, so what is the explanation? The explanation of it is it's just Trump. He has like, there's a nine-year-old in there that has a phone and there's part of your Twitter feed. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, but is that the guy you're going to deal with every day as president? And, and is the far more important thing, the results that we're trying to achieve? And the answer to that is yes. Now, a a final addendum to the notion of people who didn't like Trump then and still don't, supposedly in Republican land. Remember when I said the change is real? The change was not just conservative uh, uh, progress against a, a liberal agenda. It was the old way of being a Republican. The go along, get along. We got to make sure we're still getting into Georgetown cocktail parties. We got to make sure the media don't dislike us. Anytime the media culture came after a Republican for decades, the usual reply was, thank you, sir. May I have another? Or just not really to engage. Well, like it or don't, Trump engages. My Lord, the fighting spirit in this man, blasting through the people who come at him. He fights and he fights back. This is a whole new way of being a conservative, a whole new way of selling conservatism, a whole new way of being a Republican. And the Republican voter base, vast majority of it, loves it. Old, dyed-in-the-wool, establishment Republicans hate it because it it, it identified them as kind of a weak Casper milk toast way of governing. There's a new sheriff in town and it has, uh, and the people respected conservatives like Bill Crystal and George Will who, who have been favoring things in the Trump agenda forever, but now they, they hate his guts. Why? Because he's just too, too abrasive. There's just something. And also he ha- Bill Crystal is kind of a, uh, a moderate to even liberal on borders. So the hard, uh, uh, the, the, the tough immigration policies left him cold. For George Will, it's uh, George Will is a patrician 
and I love George Will, I have, uh, is a patrician establishment country club kind of guy for whom the Trump approach is just kryptonite. So even though the agenda is shared, the tactics and the flavor and the style, and that's what this whole never Trump cult is about. These people just hate his guts because he has shown a light on how ineffective their flavor of, um, of leadership has been. Um, so you think that Trump, gosh, I said, so you, you think it's more just the way he does it, not really just what he's saying, right? So you're saying it's that, and you think that's the new way of being a conservative and Republican. And so do you like, you like this new approach of, or do you think people, do you think it's just that he, he, the way he talks about liberals so much, right? Like it's like anti-liberal as opposed to pro-conservative. Does that make sense? Like he's so right. It's funny. Is that, is that it depends on what you hear because life is long. The days are long. His presidency has been long, too long for some, not long enough for others, <laughs> but it, it does, does he speak out against the leftist agenda? Absolutely. But does he speak out in favor of conservative things? He's in favor of protecting the unborn, in favor of strong borders, in favor of yeah. backing law enforcement, in favor of environmental sanity, in favor of, I mean, it, it, it is not in any way purely a, a negative beatdown message. Um, if it's, and I don't mean this, you, your, if it's your message, it might seem that way. Uh, it's like, wow, coming after me all the time. But it's funny, I mean, flip the coin, I perceive the, the Biden campaign as having been very negative toward a lot of things that I believe. But guess what? That's kind of the way it works. Because if, if I'm running, if I'm running against you, uh, I got two jobs. Tell everybody why my views are great and yours are not. And your job is to describe why your views have merit and mine don't. In other words, positivity and uplift toward your side while coming at my side. That's all thoroughly natural. Now, the, the difference has been. Uh, I mean, if you go back to the George W. Bush campaign, the Bob Dole campaign against Clinton in 1996, you know, to, to use it, one successful example, one unsuccessful example, in no way did we have the kind of sharp elbows, the kind of volume, and part of that's Twitter, social media. Can you imagine social media if we had it in the 60s or something like that? Ugh. So uh, th th this is unprecedented, no, no doubt about it. Um, is, is, is that the forever new way to be conservative? Is this going to be the flavor of, of discourse forever? Not necessarily. And I don't know if I want it to be. Um, people call me a lot over the last four years and they say, Mark, I, I agree with everything Trump does. Totally. If you give me a list of his achievements, I support absolutely every single one of them. But the tweets make me a little crazy. Uh, some of the stuff he said about McCain or some of the things in the, in the heat of a battle, he'll be a little petty, a little small. And I hate that. I wish I could have all the positives and none of the negatives. Okay. I don't know if that person exists. It may be that the buzzsaw, the effectiveness, all those positives, the energy and strength that he has displayed in doing the things that people like it may simply be that that means he's going to be really aggressive in other ways and sometimes in some unseemly ways. I don't know if someone exists who can provide all those results and yet be better mannered or more uh, 
intellectual. If so, great, maybe we'll meet that person in the election of 2024 after the second Trump term. But if not, let's say that's just not possible. I've spent a lot of time telling people if, if they're conflicted in that way, I ask them, I say, have you, have, have you been a fan of everything that he's done? Are there things that, and, and uh, yes, 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 and yes, if the caller is conservative. Then take everything that has driven you a little crazy and take comfort in the fact that it simply does not matter. Did people continue to support Bill Clinton? Good Lord, even after incredible transgressions in the White House, of course they did. And that wasn't a mystery to me because they liked what he was doing as president. And that doesn't mean that we're all blind to what you call issues of character. But the most important things will always be, will always be what, and they should be, presidential character. The best sign of presidential character is telling the voters the things you're going to do and then doing them. If you display that DNA of presidential character, other things, the occasional goofy tweet, the occasional offhand comment, the occasional even unkind moment might not be your favorite thing but it is a fool's errand to get caught up in that. Oof. Well, I, I run a lot of fool's errand, that's for sure. Part of it's human nature. But yeah, I, again, I, I really, more, listen, it's funny. If somebody is against the president, and then it kind of is, is like icing on top of the cake. I don't agree with anything that he's doing. And by the way, he, he seems to be a jerk. I, I totally get that. And, and, and there will always be a part. I'm talking really about people who favor him. They they love the agenda, but they're conflicted sure. by this no, other stuff. Sure. I know get, a lot of people get, like that. Get over, <laughs> get over it. It doesn't matter. However, yeah. a bit of, again, it's the agenda that matters. But the another bit of human nature is if you take a politician who has some personal quirks, maybe even some personal problems, the people who support that politician will always be in the mood to overlook those things. And the people who don't support that politician will always be in the mood to weaponize those things. And that's true. That'll always be true traveling in both directions. Yeah, that's pretty true. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, I, I do find it funny as again, I'm not really a political person, but I, I just find it funny. A lot of stuff, you know, again, whether or not you like Trump or dislike Trump, wherever you stand, he does say a lot of funny shit to me. It's just funny. <laughs> It's just really funny shit. I, last night he said, you know, he just says stuff that I'm just like, what? So last night he said, uh, I mean, amongst multiple things, I just found it funny. He was like, I'm the least person. I'm the least racist person in this room. Every time he says something like that, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, why? don't say that. That doesn't it just he, he cracks me up. I think he just says so many things uh, that are I'm the best. This is the greatest. Right. I find that stuff so funny to me. Um, it, he's so he sells. I mean, I get it. I know where he comes from. I've been That's exactly it. You just answered. You just exactly described it because as, as if someone watched if, if, if an alien lands from space and sees the debate last night and says, it simply is not mathematically possible that he knows that he's the least racist person in the world or in the room. And why would he even say that? It, it, it is branding. It is messaging. He could have said that it would have been right. Using earth logic and a sentence that, I might have written, it would have gone like, look, people have been trying to brand me as a racist since the day I came down the escalator in 2015. It simply isn't true. My policies and my personal interactions prove it. 
And I would yeah, offer absolutely. that. Yeah, so, but That's what fun is that? Answer. What, That's a great what answer. fun is that? Is I'm the I'm the least racist person in the room. It just it cracks it, me it, up. It, no, it's it like cracks we're, me up. We're getting we're getting trolled, and the the, the base loves it. The supporters <laughs> love it. The other other it's sure. and it is part of the entertainment value. No, I get it. I get it. Look, I got a lot of friends that that like Trump. Uh, they support him. They um, uh, it's no problem. We talk uh, every every week um, and I don't support him. Right. It's no problem. I, I'm not one of those people that has eliminated Trump supporters from my life. OK, I'm, I'm not that I'm not that liberal. I'm not that liberal. But but there's also conservatives that do the same thing. They, they eliminate liberals from their life for, for the same reason. I, I'm just not for that. Right. There are for real, real quick, real, real quick, fine tuning. You said I'm not that liberal. It's not about your degree of liberalism. It's about your degree of decency. You could be the most diehard, hardcore <laughs> socialist. But if you still have it in your heart to welcome people with a with with a different view, that just makes you a good person. It, because yeah. it's not a, it's not a continuum that says, OK, I'm going to be this conservative or this liberal, this conservative or this liberal. But if I get to this conservative and this liberal, I got to disown my family. No, 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 no. There's, there's no, 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 no. I think that came out wrong when I said it. I was no, saying I, I'm I not that, that kind of liberal. I'm sorry. That, like, that, 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 that wired, that devoted with tunnel vision only to the political. Um, I Just 60 second story. I, 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 this is the way I try to live my life, both on the show. Love welcoming people who disagree. It's the most fun I have. Um, yeah, me too. Wife, I have me a lot too. of a lot of a lot of friends who disagree with me about everything, and yet I, I I could fill many many shows with people who will call me and tell me that uh, their friends and even family simply can't handle can't abide the fact that they are that they are Trump supporters. Now, in the Obama era, did I hear some of that as well? I did. I'm aware of some of it, and I scolded people against it. Um, I don't know if it's apples to apples. I don't know. But I will tell you that, that I've just got one example in which it happened to me. And I will never name names. I told the story and I'll never share. It's somebody who I've known. It, it, it was, it's a professional, it's a friendship that had its root in a professional association. It wasn't yeah. like somebody who lived down the street or somebody who, you know, et cetera, who I knew from you know, the, from some social circuit. It was somebody I knew because I was in this business. But we had been so uh, friendly and pleasant and spent so much time together in a professional setting, we developed a really serious fondness for each other. Me for him and his family, him for me and mine. I mean, one of the most kind, considerate, giving of spirit, and that all went away. It's funny. It's not, it didn't go away in 2016. Went away this year. Where my uh, capacity for believing the things I believe simply became a bridge too far. And uh, I was informed of it uh, quite publicly. And it's funny, I didn't you know, run home sobbing, but it's extremely sad. Um, and I didn't, when I told the story on the show, and as I tell it to you now, I mean, the loss to me, it's always, it's a terrible thing to lose a friend. I hate that. And uh, the, the people who are in our lives, uh, especially despite that, that can make life more fun, you know, mixing it up with people and still maintaining certain Absolutely. decency. But it is, it is, it's sad to be that person, to view people, you've displayed a capacity for 
associating with, befriending, valuing somebody with completely different views, when you lose that, when all of a sudden the most important thing is who you voted for, and I'll tell you why it is. Now, let's say that you had a friend who, now here's something to break up a friendship on. That friend joins the Klan. That friend becomes a neo-Nazi. That friend joins the Communist Party. That friend begins spouting things that are literally hateful, literally horrible toward people. That's that's a friend I'm going to distance from. I, see, I'm, I actually wouldn't. I would actually become closer to that friend. Well, in, in, an, in an attempt to retrieve or in an attempt yes, say, if, to be if, an if, example or to a, still be around absolute, them, maybe, maybe absolute. they're just going through something that, Absol- that, that turn a, around. Listen, you, yours is the better. You've analyzed it more closely even than I am. I'm, I'm just giving a kind of a, but I get what you're example. saying. I, I, but, I get here's, what you're but saying. here's the thing. Here's, here's where this went south for some, and this may be true of people listening right now. Uh, some, the, as soon as I say I'm a conservative and a Trump supporter, instantly I am that racist. I yeah, am yeah. that Klansman. I am that neo-Nazi. The conflation is instantly made. And wow. Yeah, and I don't agree with that. That's, that's not a way to live. That's not a I way agree. to live. I agree. So anyway, but uh, so it's, it's going to be an interesting Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's going to be a real, <laughs> you know, and, and, the, and listen, the election may not be settled. By Thanksgiving, I, and, and this may be overstated. Oh God, let's hope so. Oh, I know. I, I just, I, I couldn't take that. It's, it's funny. I, I, I said this. Just let it be a landslide, one way or the other. If I'm going to lose, that's a good point. That's give good Biden point. forty states so that I don't. If I'm, if, if I know I'm going to lose, let just let me go ahead and lose. <laughs> uh, because if it is, and because of all this infernal mail-in voting and ballot battles that we're going to have, and all of this. If Pennsylvania hasn't come in firmly, if Florida hasn't come in firmly, if Ohio hasn't come in firmly, no one may be at 270 electoral votes by the time we wake up on November 4th. So at that point, the rodeo is on. Oof. That's it. Rodeo is on. Well, Mark, that's a great way to to finish this off here. Um, I, 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 can, I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you coming on and us having this dialogue. It's been absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, just to quickly say, uh, respond to something you said, it's actually my favorite part of doing this podcast is talking to people who think differently than me. I look forward to it. In fact, it's my favorite conversations. Anyone that knows me will tell you that. I hate actually talking to people that are just going to say the same thing as me and we agree. And we're like, yeah, this and that. And yeah, I'm like, no, no, no. I want to hear something different that I might learn something from. It might enforce something, I believe, or make me think about something that I didn't think about before. Take a different angle, different perspective uh, about a particular topic. And, y- you know, you never know. Um, so I think it's important to hear people out. And um, I think that's what we're missing most. I hope we can get back to that. We can listen to each other. You know, the idea that as soon as you mention you're a Trump supporter and you're conservative, you're right. People turn off from that and that's wrong. They shouldn't. And the same thing goes if I say I'm a liberal and a Democrat, boom, some people are going to turn off and that shouldn't be that way. We should be able to sit down and have a conversation because you made a great point uh, throughout this. You've made this great point throughout the whole uh, episode, which is we're, we're always going to be divided in a sense, right? We're always going to think differently. Sure. It's, it, we got to find a way to live like that. And that's, that's it. And there's nothing wrong with uh, people thinking differently than you. They're not no. evil. They no. just think differently than you. It's like, it it's crazy. always going to be the case. We will never yeah. unify ideologically. So yeah. let's unify as people. 
There will 100%. sometimes be no chance of common ground in terms of our opinions, but there is always common ground in our humanity. Let us value yes. each other, love each other. When I you know, run across somebody and I learn liberal, Biden voter, blah, 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 blah. But first thing that occurs to me is let's get a shiner. Let's have some fun. So, love it. I love that <laughs> attitude, Mark. That's so awesome. I, I love that so much. Um, you know, I'm actually talking to Rick Kennedy after this, who is running against Pete, Pete Sessions. I had Pete Sessions on earlier. So now I'm going to do the other side. Right. I was like, hey, because he was like, oh, you know, you're only going to are you only going to talk to Rick? No, P, look, I'm, I'm your first one. I'm talking to you first. I'm all about. Uh, yeah, I'm all about it, man. I just love that attitude. I, I hope we can uh, all take that forward. So, again, Mark, I really appreciate. Oh, before we go, let I know we kind of covered in the beginning, but just tell everyone how they can stay connected with you. Oh, sure. You know, social media, all that sort of good stuff. OK, know? here we go. The, the best bet is is Twitter at Mark Davis. I don't know how I got that. I got the same name as the owner of the Raiders with the weird yeah. haircut. I mean, there are a few other people who have probably done more in life than I have, but I guess I was there firstest with the mostest. Uh, the, 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 the best thing for the radio show is, is six, sit right here. Look at that. There, and that's on the wall behind me. 660amtheanswer.com. We also have an app by that name where you can listen to the show live or get the podcast. There you go. Of, 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 of prior shows. Uh, and that, that's probably the best thing. I don't know. There's a Mark Davis show Facebook page. There's a Mark Davis fans Facebook page that I have nothing to do with, but that's, that's always entertaining. People who love me and people who don't, they hang out there and I always welcome both. So there you go. Just Google me. I'll wind up somewhere. Twitter at Mark Davis is probably the best way to do it. And I'm so grateful to you for being able to be here and do something this freewheeling and the kind of welcoming spirit you have. I deeply appreciate it. I did my homework. I went back and saw the stuff you did with Connie Burton, uh, Dale Hansen, uh, Clay Walker, just the various things, just a wonderful environment because if there's anything the world needs, it is more of this. So God bless you. And I appreciate you. Wow. That's awesome, Mark. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. that means a lot coming from you, um, to, to be honest with you. So, uh, my best to you and your family. Um, you know, I hope everyone stays safe and, and does everything, uh, that they need to do. And, and yeah, just wish you guys all the best. And I wish you the best with, with your show and everything coming up. Thanks so much. Thanks again, Mark. We'll talk soon, brother. All right, man. Well, that was man, what dude. You know, How the long best, we go? You know, you know what the best compliment is? Dude, that was an hour and fit an hour and fifty. It was an hour and twenty. If it was not, that flew. Flew by. Flew by. So, I could have I could have continued asking you stuff. It's so fascinating <laughs> talking to you. Uh, I mean, well, that. let's I mean let's that. pick up from what once you get through everybody else and you're just desperate for guests in the middle of next year or something. <laughs> not that you would be. But I would be I'd be more more than happy because Lord knows whatever happens, we'll have we'll have stuff to talk about. Deeply appreciate it. And uh, and just th thanks for being the kind of person you are and the kind doing the kind of uh, show you're doing. Uh, I just love it. Just absolutely. love it. Thank you, Mark. Again, right, I re God really bless. appreciate that. Thank all your thank all your the, 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 the very nice lady who got a hold of me. Everybody's been so kind. You've got a good operation working with you. Too. I appreciate that, Mark. That means okay. a lot, brother. Have a good all right, boss. Stay safe. Hey, you too, boss. Enjoy your weekend. God bless. Thanks. All right, brother. Bye-bye. The Lone Star Plate Podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplate.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time.